Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. This week, I speak with Stuart Cooper, CEO of Adelphi Group, about creating healthier societies. Adelphi, having held several panels on the subject at Anthropy, an annual conference that brings together bright minds to conceive of even brighter ideas for progress in myriad fields for a planet and its people in evolution towards, hopefully, a better tomorrow. If biopharma embraces prevention, partnership, including with patient advocacy groups, and embraces the advances in technology, especially AI, Cooper posits that the future can be positive, despite the warning signs. But it is those warning signs that should prompt us into action, into positive change, a shift fostered by trust and implemented through collaboration. For the future, for the people, and for the planet at large, this is the goal. The complexities are there, but they can be addressed. Hopefully our conversation provides some possibilities for how, or at least contemplation, of how to turn thoughts into tangible action, rather than mere spoken musings. But for now, thank you for listening to such discursive utterings. This is web editor Nicole Raleigh, and today I have with me CEO of Adelphi Group, Stuart Cooper. Welcome, Stuart. Hello. It's nice to see you again, uh, Nicole, and hello for every, anybody who's listening. Hello, Stuart. So the Adelphi Group provides pharmaceutical consultancy and service provision, spanning the life cycle of pharmaceutical development with comprehensive services in strategic product development consultancy, health economics and outcomes research, real-world disease understanding, marketing research, medical communications, and post-meeting brand support services. However, I did say welcome, Stuart, when in fact I should have said welcome back, as you and I chatted briefly after the inaugural Anthropy event last year at the Eden Project in Cornwall, and indeed today we'll be making mention of Anthropy 23. Anthropy, for listeners who are not aware of it, aims to be a captivating and soul-stirring convergence of brilliant minds, and is a rather unique gathering, if I do say so, that sparks innovation and fosters fresh thinking among diverse leaders, the overall goal to excite action and inspire a better Britain. And this year, Adelphi held a panel called Creating a Healthier Society Through Prevention Strategies. How can biopharma collaborate and support? Within that discussion, notable points made were the topicality of preventative care and how better money and resources can be employed to implement this. But before we dive further into this topic, Stuart, perhaps you could tell listeners a bit more about your own journey to where you are today with Adelphi and why prevention matters so much. Yes, my own journey is um, we set up Adelphi um, with some other colleagues around just over 30 years ago, various divisions in the spaces that you've just already talked about, such as uh, medical comms, research, real world, and, and wider areas, and set up a number of speciality areas and have grown as a company over those 30 years so that we are now very close to around about a 1,000 people. I say the majority in the UK, uh, certainly several hundred 
in the UK, but also a lot of people uh, abroad, uh, particularly in um, the Netherlands and in Europe and in uh, the United States, of course, as well as representation in other parts of the world, such as Asia Pacific. And you're right, completely right to say that we work on the life cycle development of pharmaceutical products, uh, assisting, of course, our, our clients, pharma industry. But interestingly, that is becoming a kind of a much broader healthcare responsibility because it's not just about the product life cycle development, although that's critical. It's also increasingly about where that fits in, in, in the community, in, in the world, but also how it fits alongside other healthcare interventions. Uh, and we very much talk as a company about optimising the healthcare intervention, which, of course, is more than just placing and development of the drug. Thank you, Stuart. So thinking about that broader healthcare responsibility, let's return to the topic of anthropy. And at the event, you asked panellists whether patient advocacy can play a more proactive role in working for a more prevention-based tomorrow. So I just wondered what your own thoughts were in response to that. Yes, I mean, um, two or three members of our panel of uh, about five people are themselves from the pharmaceutical industry and representing the pharmaceutical industry. And I'm pleased to say that they very much uh, embrace the, the approach of consulting more and bringing in more uh, people from patient groups. Uh, I hesitate to say patients because they're people um, from patient groups who uh, may well be also patients but might be carers or might be uh, people who feel that they can uh, make a real um, difference in the patient advocacy area. So um, there was very much uh, a desire from the industry side to em embrace them, because it's one thing saying we want to embrace patient groups. We, we all say so many things, don't we, in life? Um, there's quite another thing, doing it, number one, and doing it properly, number two. And um, the doing it properly is is very, very important. Um, hence why we had patient advocacy representatives at this meeting. And we've had other what we call renaissance meetings um, with our clients. And we've had patient advocacy represented there. OK, so if we sort of stick with this sense of doing it properly mm. how can biopharma how can industry properly work with patient advocacy groups to affect um, preventative care yeah, they, they they have to obviously take them into their trust and but also they they have to recognize that a lot of these patients um are from a different background to those of us in the industry. Uh, they have challenges in life, and um, uh, partly possibly because of their condition, but also partly because that condition can impose all sorts of demographics uh, on you. So, for example, you know, many people with certain diseases won't be able to work uh, or won't be able to get to work. So that possibly affects their their income and and and. Therefore, if they're going to be interacting with pharma, 
uh, they will need to be, for example, funded for that, which isn't making a making money thing for them. It's a being able to afford to go along to be interviewed or to participate in a meeting. So, uh, 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 and it's also all, all about embracing a wide group of patients. We had a, a fantastic um, advocate from the um, patient myeloma group, Sophie Castell, and um, but she and, and she talked a lot about the importance of getting the real feelings from these people, uh, but also getting a broad spectrum of that and bringing it to the table. And more recently, before anthropy. We did one of our Renaissance meetings last year where in the United States where we covered a, a rare disease. And, um, you know, rare disease, diseases impose even more challenges because they often have to go to centres that can treat them. The centres that can treat them are possibly 30 or 40 miles away. Um, so if they're going to do some interviews as well, they will need... Um, to be able to not just be paid for those interviews, but to have any expenses covered. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting into a bit of nitty gritty there. But... We like the nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, taking in the patient view isn't just about talking to the person who's the head of the patient advocacy group um, or, or bringing them into a think tank. It's about taking a much wider, and, and I think the heads of the patient advocacy group, I would hope, would agree with me. Um, because it's them that have said it to me. It's it's going across a wider cross-section of the patient population in that particular condition. Okay, so talking about sort of tangible action as opposed to mere words or just going into a think tank, is it a matter of partnership then, of collaboration in order to affect this action? Very much so, yeah. But it's also, you know... uh, and that's that's for the better treatment comfort of the patient group and their carer. You know, patients with dementia, the carer is at least equally important to the patient. <laughs> and um, the aspect of it really is to cover that wide group, but also bridging into part of the purpose of the meeting to not just talk about it in terms of the therapy and the drug, but the how do we improve prevention? How can pharma embrace the prevention aspect more? So one company that was there, of course, was Aviv. Um, In a sense, their whole focus is on prevention because they're trying to prevent HIV. Um, not treated to prevent it. And it's that prevention aspect of treatment that needs to be widened. We have at the moment, you know, a little bit of controversy uh, in in various countries about um, the prevention of obesity, Mm -hmm. um, which, of course, traditionally is things like diet and exercise, um, but also we now have, have... Drugs have been proven to be very effective in that area. And what's therefore, what is becoming sometimes the role of drugs in prevention, where there's other opportunities to prevent, which are not just drugs. And that and then that leads to some very 
interesting debates on appropriateness and also on cost and, and pricing. Yes. So if we think about this then, going towards sort of methods of prevention and preventative care, yeah. there's also the the whys and the wherefores surrounding mental health of patients, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. Mental health. We were talking personally about COVID earlier and the COVID years with lockdown, um, et cetera, has no doubt about it contributed to uh, an, an expansion of mental health problems, particularly amongst the young. And I, I, this really worries me personally, but personally as, a, as, a, as, a, as an individual, as a citizen, that so many of our youngsters have mental health conditions or challenges, maybe is a better word I should use. Um, and so in addition to the mental health issues that we had, you know, depression, psychosis, um, for which there are you know, ways of addressing it, including drugs or other ways as well, we now have a more general mental health problem. And what, what uh, contribution with or without drugs can we make to that? And I think that I think we're just at the beginning of that discussion. And certainly as a company, um, looking at towards the next anthropy meeting or our next renaissance time meetings with, with our clients and colleagues, we're hoping to bring the, the mental health challenges that the community faces much more into that. And indeed, one of our panel members, um, uh, Sebastian, is the CEO of a botanical medicines company, Phytomi, plant-based medicines. And of course, plant-based medicines are claimed to including the, the, the most talked about plant-based medicine, for obvious reasons, cannabis, um, mm. you know, have um, positive impacts, it's felt, um, on mental health. So it's, you know, our meetings need to embrace not just traditional pharma, um, if I can use that word, not just the patient needs, but other ways of potentially treating, whether it's through counselling, whether it's through other types of medicines, whether it's through genetics, genetic um, tracing, which in other words is a, a way of often um, identifying up front whether this person is at risk and what should we do about it. Mm -hmm. And can, we can also add to that uh, the notion of the role that technology plays in this. Of course, we? of course. Um, I'm not a person that's naturally good at technology, so that's probably why it ended up being the last thing um, <laughs> that was raised, and you, you needed to prompt me, um, as my colleagues frequently do. But I recognise that I'm not good at that, but it's damned important. So um, we talked at our meeting about um, the importance of AI and um, other aspects of technology, such as wearables, um, which are really, really important, uh, and different ways of uh, both alerting patients um, and getting and monitoring how they are progressing or how feeling. And then you get into the issue of, well, different members of the population have 
different abilities or experience in interacting with technology. Um, and you're talking to one of them today, but I, I try and overcome that. Um, yeah. Certainly, you know, if we deal with the elderly, obviously they're not as familiar with the technology and, and with interacting in order to get the best out of that. So that's, a, ah, I would say, it's a nice challenge. It's something, something we need to face up to address and needs to be discussed. Yes, these challenges, these diverse backgrounds and different ways of doing things, these are all yeah. topics that were generally discussed at Anthropy 23. So I was yeah. just wondering on this, whether there were any takeaways that you yourself gleaned from Anthropy, any snippets of its general ethos? Oh, gosh, that's a big... It big, is a big question. Big, we big, like big questions, though. Uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> I took a lot away. I don't think I'm quite answering what you were targeting, but uh, I shall start off by answering it in my own way. Um, I think I took away, in, in general terms from Anthropy, a huge amount of confidence from, from people that they could have an impact in whatever areas they were talking about. And I think just to contextualise it, you know, there were presentations, other sessions, much more in the area of the environment, the, the um, sustainability from a, an environmental point of view, um, of confidence um, uh, in areas of uh, other aspects of leadership, in areas such as women in sport, um, as, as, which I think is really, really, really important. Um, and Thanks. it was great, great to hear that. Mary Earps won the Sports Personality of the Year Award um, yesterday, I believe. There were so many different topics, and I took away from all of those topics, progress. I was about to say the same words to it, yes, progress. Uh, and and atti positive attitudes, wanting to deal with things. So um, in terms of our more specific area, yeah, a real embrace of the importance of prevention, of identity, of um, embracing the wider group, such as people, not patients, people, carers, um, and a, a real interest from our farmer members that were there in taking responsibility for the prevention aspect and in embracing technology. So, for example, we were associated with another uh, couple of sessions in healthcare and chaired them, although we didn't create them, but we chaired them. One was on the relationship between charities and the NHS and charities and health. By charities, I'm including such things as Alzheimer's UK and um, uh, other disease areas, um, the hospice movement, which actually we had a colleague representing because as a company we work a lot with the hospice movement and then there was another healthcare session that we chaired and ran which was very much about AI and robotics and um, you know um, for the session I was greeted by a robot and uh, who, who uh, and re recently interestingly um, I've seen robots in hospitals delivering cups of tea to patients mm -hmm. Okay, you sort of say, well, what's the importance of that? Well, the importance of that is that the nurses are doing something more important. So I got a lot out of the meeting. Generally, in terms of across all areas of life, 
uh, we need to be more positive and we need to create a better world. Um, and I got a lot out of the healthcare um, uh, uh, area and beyond just our session, which is on prevention um, and, and embracement, but also better ways of, of delivering healthcare, better ways of raising money for healthcare and for people. So, so on this uh, concept of creating a better world through yeah. pharma, embracing the notion of prevention, of partnership and collaboration yeah. with patient advocacy groups, with the people who live on this planet for which this work towards a more sustainable way of doing things is yeah. the entire reason of. Where do you see healthcare and industry in a decade or two decades if prevention does indeed become a reality? and not just a spoken about hope? I think much more joined up in the same way as we hear in this country, particularly from a lot of the number of the metropolitan mayors that are having to deal with uh, highly populated areas, the importance of joining up social care and health care. Um, you know, that they're all contributing to the wellness of the, of the individual. So I see uh, a more joined up, society, um, well, let's put it like this, it better be, therefore a more joined up pharmaceutical industry um, contributing to all the other aspects of healthcare as well. And I think this has to be taken into account when um, pharmaceutical industry is effectively being what, what often people call rewarded, but effectively having their investment in better health paid for by the by, by the drugs. I mean, when we're looking at drugs and when we're looking at prevention, we need to look at what that's worth to society when we decide how much people are going to have to pay for it or society's going to have to pay for it. Absolutely. A lot of complexities. Yeah. But it's for the future, it's for the people, it's for the planet. All yes. connected. Prevention that call. Thank you so much for your time, Stuart. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very, very much, Nicole, and uh, thanks for your searching questions. And so that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and follow us on Twitter or X nowadays at at Pharma Forum. That's all for now. Thank you for listening.